Support for Healthcare Americana comes from Freedom HealthWorks. With Freedom HealthWorks, physicians, employers, and patients can thrive in direct care. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com to start your journey into direct care today. From Freedom HealthWorks, it's Healthcare Americana, a show about innovators, idealists, and pioneers in healthcare. These are their stories, and I am your host, Christopher Habig. Data can be a scary word in healthcare. Too many years of mismanagement from health systems, things like unnecessary insurance coding, and really lack of meaningful analysis have contributed to a distrust in the term and application of data initiatives as a whole. I have even mentioned the negative effect that most data entry has on patient care. A lot of physicians feel like they spend more time in front of their computer screen during a visit than actually talking and engaging with the patient. It's not a surprise that many physicians in healthcare systems describe themselves as glorified data clerks. There's one company, KPI Ninja, who's on a mission to change this mindset completely and show the medical community that data isn't just another four-letter word. Their deep integrations don't require rigid protocols, meaning they're able to adapt to individual physician charting styles and create meaningful stories from the information. Vineeth Yudula co-founded KPI Ninja in 2014 We're also joined by Kyle Poss, who joined the firm in 2016. KPI Ninja works with more than 6 million lives across the country, and they're showing that data in healthcare is impactful to everyone. Our vision is to amplify the stories that are being shared by a practice, by organization, by a physician through data. And we have been combining several different data sources to put data behind, you know, their stories and also publish research and help the moment itself in the DPC space. Beneath KPI Ninja is blazing a trail in what we're calling the data world, which can be a good thing or can make jobs and lives a little harder when dealing with healthcare. So tell us a little bit about what sets KPI Ninja apart from where we've heard this data word, and I'm using air quotes there, where we've heard this word used in healthcare settings before. Yeah, Chris. Um, so we believe at KPI Ninja that um, improving outcomes, you know, um, at the organization and the patient level is what matters. And using data and analytics, you know, to improve the outcomes that matter to the patients and that matter to the organizations is is the key thing, you know, on why organizations are looking at data and using data within their organization. So, on how KPI Ninja differentiates ourselves uh, compared to, you know, uh, how other analytics companies or how healthcare uses data typically uh, from a vendor perspective is. Um, you know, usually you deploy a technology solution or a product, and uh, it's up to the organization to use the solution. However, from our perspective, we come from with, with the end in mind, you know, understanding what is the organization trying to achieve, you know, what are the goals for the organization, and, you know, trying to provide, you know, the tech solutions and the necessary support uh, to accelerate the improvement of the outcomes is how we differentiate and how we use data uh, to um, improve the outcomes that matter to the patients. So looking at data as a tool to help physicians take better care of their patients, right? That is correct. Now, we've talked before about you kind of have a, 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 a triple aim, um, and we were just talking about this uh, yesterday just in a conversation. So what does that mean to your organization when you talk about trying to help people with kind of this, this triple goal? So, as you know, the triple aim stands for improving uh, the experience of care, uh, reducing the per capita cost, and uh, improving the population health. Uh, so, if you look at that, you know, with the DPC lens perspective, um, 
there are a number of questions, you know, coming in, you know, from employers, you know, um, in general who are looking at, you know, different ways to reduce the overall cost uh, when the premiums are going, you know, uh, up at a double digit rate. So it is really important to understand, you know, the overall cost impact, um, not just the DPC membership cost, but the overall cost, you know, maybe at an employer level or maybe at a practice level, uh, the impact uh, that uh, DPCs are making. So again, data becomes an important element to understand, you know, what is the impact uh, that's happening around the cost and in which areas, you know, for example, is the cost being reduced in the emergency room uh, areas or uh, the specialists are going to be reduced or um, is there a reduction, you know, um, from a um, utilization yeah. slash cost on uh, prescriptions or something like that. So it's really important to measure that, identify where the costs are and 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 see how DPCs can use actually um, to, to make an impact on that area. And the second category is, you know, experience of care. Uh, when, when you talk about experience of care, you know, it includes quality outcomes. It includes, you know, how the patients are experiencing, you know, the care. Um, and it also it includes the access uh, to the physicians, you know, and that's where the virtual communication, you know, that is embedded as part of the DPC and, and also uh, how the physicians, you know, uh, interact with the with patients and how long they spend um, and how accessible they are um, when the patients have needs, you know, to, to take care of, uh, um, you know, their problems and stuff. So all of those things, measuring that um, and comparing that, you know, with the people service um, space is going to be important to demonstrate, you know, the impact of DPC. And the third category is population health, you know, understanding the impact of outcomes, you know, whether you're talking about specific chronic conditions or whether you're talking about, you know, the overall impact um, in improving the health of the population is really necessary. And again, if you look at all of these three different categories, uh, these are um, the lagging indicators, you know, to understand, you know, what is the overall impact uh, from our perspective um, in a data-driven standpoint, you know, you need to identify those leading indicators uh, that would make an impact uh, so that you can actually see uh, those outcomes improved and, and overall have an impact on the triple A uh, itself. Yeah, so not just about lowering cost, but we're we're really looking at and KPI with this of how we actually help people get healthier there. So, Kyle, I want to want to ask you this. You know, like, like I mentioned earlier, data is a very small word, but has a very large meaning in uh, in the terms of there's a lot of confusion behind it. So, why does data usually make physicians and medical personnel a little squeamish? <laughs> Uh, good question. I don't know if I would be the right uh, person to ask for that, and just because I'm not a clinician myself. Um, but the experience that I've learned, you know, working in the health system is that, you know, you know, one, they have to spend a lot of time documenting in order to receive data on the back end, and they're hesitant to do that. And they are also got burnt um, quite a number of times on trying to do that and just getting poor data in return, mm-hmm. uh, poor value in return. Right. Um, right. So it sounds like they weren't they were taking a lot of time to document a lot of different things that there was no point. Was there any conclusions that could be drawn from that? Yeah, and the other thing I would say is they were they were almost asked to document things that they didn't see as important or providing value to their patient relationship. Right. Uh, and patient health outcomes. So they were, you know, what healthcare administrators would come to them and say, We want you to start documenting these and spend a lot of time there. Uh, and you're really you're not getting a lot of value from the physician-patient perspective. Yeah, and then they're saying, well, 
why do I need to spend more time putting these numbers or these codes into this software system when I should actually be talking to my patient because they might have the answers? Yeah. And also, Chris, um, as you know, um, there are a number of studies and the safer service space um, on how much time is being spent by, uh, by the physicians, by the providers, by the clinicians, you know, um, mm-hmm. in regards to documentation. Uh, and especially with the growing number of quality programs, you know, uh, whether it is coming from CMS or uh, coming from different payers. Um, so that adds quite a bit of burden. And, and also in the fee-for-service space, um, um, where the average, you know, time that the patient actually interacts with the physician uh, could be, you know, in a single digit number, whether it is seven minutes or nine minutes, you know, uh, per patient right. visit. So. Um, it is really important uh, to understand, you know, what is value added, you know, from a patient perspective um, and, and identify, you know, how can we reduce the overall, um, you know, the non-value added activities, which could, you know, from a patient perspective could include, you know, the time that is being spent on documentation and um, all other um, areas, right? So, so that's why they're, they're uh, when, when physicians, you know, move from paper service, you know, to, uh, to a direct primary care model, um, so their main focus is how do I create more value and um, how do I reduce um, any unnecessary uh, activities? And uh, when you look at from from that lens and especially with the exposure they may have, you know, um, uh, interacting with all these value-based programs and the amount of documentation and clicking off different, um, you know, um, buttons within the EMR to, you know, uh, uh, to, to qualify for certain measures and stuff. So uh, there is that, you know, um, initial hesitance in regards to, okay, what am I uh, going to sign up and what does <laughs> right. data mean, you know, from that perspective. So uh, it is really important, you know, on how we have, you know, constructed uh, on how we operate, understanding the DPC model, mm-hmm. um, you know, to demonstrate the, uh, you know, the impact uh, specifically for DPC. But, but from our interaction with physicians, you know, that's the sense that we get, you know, when we talk about, our data to begin with um, uh, for some of them. Right, right. And I and appreciate you saying that too, that, you know, we address the concern of, like Kyle said, a lot of this stuff was just, it's unusable or unnecessary, but to take it into the DPC world, because you work with a, a couple different, um, what I'm going to call customer bases. Um, you have the health information exchanges, and then you have the direct care um, world where you're really making a big splash and KPI ninjas kind of become the go-to person for direct care information and data. But this whole theme that data can be your friend and really is your friend, but it has to be done correctly. So on that theme, what is the right way that you're seeing direct care practices? Because we'll, we'll focus on direct care right now. What's the, what's the correct way or the right way that you're seeing direct care practices implement data plans and then use it? Sure. Uh, so in, in my experience, you know, the phrase that we use in public health is an ounce of prevention is um, worth a pound of cure. And so in DPC, there's a couple ways that you do that. Um, one, you know, better access and better quality of care, more time spent on preventative measures instead of reactive, uh, which in some leads to better patient satisfaction. And then it also leads to better patient outcomes, uh, which leads mm-hmm. to lower downstream utilization, which leads to lower cost overall. Mm-hmm. So using data to measure each one of those pieces, you know, we're seeing better access, we're seeing better quality, we're seeing better outcomes, we're seeing lower downstream utilization and lower downstream costs. And there's data components to each one of those pieces. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, I mean, that all sounds amazing. Uh, it really does being able to show somebody that, look, this is, 
effective here. Um, kind of leads me to my next question. And this is something that we at Freedom HealthWorks get a lot, um, just describing the overall direct primary care movement and just direct care in general, is that some detractors potentially say, show me the data, show me the studies, show me the reports that are published, peer-reviewed, all that kind of fun stuff, showing that direct primary care is a healthier option for people and ultimately for physicians. And to my knowledge right now, there is just a massive lack of studies in direct care. Um, I know Freedom Health Works, we're driving hard to be able to do that, to be able to publish those type of reports. But what do you guys say to those type of people when they say, show me the studies? Yeah, I agree. And Chris, side note too, we'd love to help you guys start publishing <laughs> stuff. That's a goal of ours as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, my response to that is absolutely. There's no uh, little to no published evidence that you know this model actually works. And the reason being is that collecting, extracting, and analyzing that data is difficult, timely, and costly. Uh, so we just the, the movement's just not mature enough to have gotten to that point. And you also need to, in order to you know have a rigorous study, you need to be able to um, identify and single out DPC as the you know the main reason why outcomes improved or costs improved. And it's difficult to do just because it's such a fluid market. And, you know, there's 1,200, 1,300 clinics across the country. Each one is uniquely different, um, practices in different ways, and their sample mm -hmm. sizes are just too small. So we're certainly working on that. And it's, you know, a critical goal for us to start uh, collaborating on research studies and producing research studies ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we are probably on the front end of understanding how difficult it is to actually be able to do that. Right. So what, what is the best way moving forward? Um, what's the best way to be able to capture those type of data? And I do understand um, that KPI Ninja, you guys are kind of taking the lead to be able to publish some of those reports and stuff. So uh, talk about a timeline if you have one or what your vision is to be able to produce something like that. Um, we're hoping to start having some reports out by the end of this year and then moving forward on an annual basis at a minimum uh, from there. And some of the steps that we've taken, we've integrated with uh, 40 different health records. We've um, started working with Johns Hopkins ACG risk model to be able to identify, you know, are DPCs cherry picking patients or are they working with critical uh, high risk patients? And then we've also been adding claims data across the country. Um, so we have health record data, we have telehealth data, claims data. We're trying to get a full picture of what's happening with these populations and being able, being able to measure those with um, you know regular, rigorous academic methodologies. Gotcha. So you mentioned uh, some of the some of the health information exchanges because that is another segment that you work with. You mentioned John Hopkins in there. What are you seeing from that health information exchange? Why are they coming to KPI Ninja in the first place? Uh, yeah, Chris. So so basically, if you look at you know a health information exchange mm -hmm. um, at a regional or at a state level, um, these are not for profit typically um, uh, organizations. You know where uh, competing, you know, health systems and, you know, independent clinics and um, uh, different post-acute care organizations, you know, share data uh, so mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, the physicians can get a longitudinal view of the patient itself. So that was the primary use case of a HIE. Mm -hmm. But if you look at, you know, what HIEs have amassed, you know, over the last decade or two, um, they have like really um, uh, holistic, you know, understanding and view of um, a good chunk of the patients, you know, within their um, state or region or, you know, uh, like cities, you know, in really, really big um, uh, metropolitan cities and stuff. 
So how that data can be used and leveraged, you know, from a DPC is something that we are actually working, uh, that we have started working uh, over the last um, several months. Um, so what we believe, what's happening, if you look at the whole direct primary care model, there is really good understanding of what's happening within a practice. A group of physicians or providers, you know, working in a practice, and you know, if they're taking care of the patient, most of that information is documented, you know, uh, within um, uh, the electronic medical records or uh, within the virtual communication applications and stuff. Uh, but you know, if a patient is having an ED visit or uh, inpatient, you know, hospitalization or uh, going to a specialist visit, um, unless the patient actually communicates all of that information um, to the practice, that information may not reside in uh, within you know the practice itself. And right. if the practice has you know multiple employers, um, you know you may be able to get data from claims, you know if they are self-insured. However, you know that's not real time; it's three to six months old, as we know. So that's where the HIEs come into play. Uh, in supporting uh, the data gap that is existing, you know, beyond the four walls of the DPC practice, in providing the information uh, about the patients um, that the physicians are uh, and the practices are taking care of, um, in regards to outside um, care that's happening, you know, uh, around DPC. So that's where, in near real time, you know, you can get uh, patients who had ED visits, you know, patients. Who have who have been you know hospitalized you know patients who are going to these specialist visits and mm-hmm. and you know um, that information you know provided in real time or near real time is really impactful you know uh, if you look at from a care coordination perspective so that is what we are trying to close uh, with um, our and you know our work in the DP space um, and also um, including and you know um, um, the work that we have been doing in the health information exchange space mm-hmm. so we are doing. Uh, you know, a pilot here in the state of Nebraska, combining DPC and health information exchange. And we plan to leverage this across uh, um, all other states um, uh, in the coming years as well. Yeah, and that's, that's really impactful. Like, like you said, I just want to highlight a couple of those is that you get almost real time feedback if somebody is outside your office rather than that lag time of, I think you said three to six months of knowing something else is going on. I would think that would be insanely valuable. And I know that, you know, a lot of the doctors in the DPC clinics that we work with uh, find a lot of value in those types of numbers. So where are you seeing your most growth? Is it, like you said, working with state exchanges or is it more of that physician-led uh, growth on the DPC side or otherwhere? Uh, from, it, it is actually in, in both the areas, um, like direct primary care organizations as well as health information exchanges or uh, the core markets that we focus just because of um, uh, the amount of opportunity that is existing, you know, to 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 demonstrate the impact itself. Um, in the direct primary care space, our vision is to amplify the stories that are being shared by a practice, by organization, by a physician through data. That's solely our vision. And we have been combining several different data sources to put data behind you know, their stories and, and, and also publish research and help the moment itself in the DPC space. And uh, along those lines in the health information exchange space with, with all these different value-based programs, and population health initiatives uh, that are coming up, it is really important for us to support the health information exchange movement and helping them move from a transactional entity to a population health entity and supporting payers, providers, and even organizations like direct primary care organizations to leverage the data and provide and create value uh, within, within the state or within the region itself. 
Right, right. So, I mean, it, it, it's really remarkable. You're able to work with organizations, big state uh, level initiatives and individual practices. So, looking at kind of individual practices or these DPC organizations, once you guys have the data and you're able to, like you said, tell a story about it, which I love, love telling stories. That's why we have this podcast in the first place, right? Um, is, that, is that your team helping people analyze that data or how, how is that handled once you already have those numbers? That is, that is a great question, Chris. Um, I would expand a little bit around what we are doing um, mm-hmm. and how we even, you know, encourage, you know, practices to uh, assess and analyze, you know, where they are in their data journey. So we have identified, you know, four major areas, you know, um, and it's a step-by-step approach on understanding the maturity of um, the analytics, you know, deployment uh, within a DPC organization. The first step um, is integrations. So it is really important uh, to have a solution that can integrate with multiple sources of data that a typical drug primary care organization interacts with. It could be a membership, you know, um, database, or it could be a virtual communication, it could be electronic medical records, um, it could be claims, it could be patient satisfaction surveys. Um, if you're looking at, you know, data um, within each of those different data sources, then you have siloed information and you don't have a comprehensive picture on what's happening at a patient level or an employer level. Right, so, uh, get, so it is really important, you know, yeah. to integrate with all these data sources, that's step one. Right, so uh, getting everything, two, everything talking together is just to summarize there that these systems have to be able to communicate with one another, right? Exactly, and, and the data system or the analytics solution um, that you have uh, should, should be able to integrate with all these data uh, uh, silos and you know mm-hmm. bring all of them together. Um, that's I would call that as step one. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, and that's the foundational piece for for DPC. Right. And step two um, is you know yes now you have all these different data sources and you're bringing all these different data um, elements. So how do we tell the stories? How do we bring uh, build insights? Um, how do we build dashboards? And we all know the power uh, power of you know you know. Uh, visualizations, you know, the the kind of impact it makes, you know, to quickly assess, you know, whether you're improving, you're um, declining in some areas or where you have opportunities and stuff. So that's why it is really important to put all these numbers together and visualize the information. That's, you know, uh, step two. And every practice, every organization have different use cases, you know, different focus areas. So, um, you know, understanding what those, you know, goals are and trying to, you know, visualize that information and monitor track and um, identify how you're performing is going to be really key, you know, um, as, as a step two or stage two um, in the analytics journey in DPC. Sure. And step four is, yes, now you're bringing all these different insights and all the dashboards and stuff. How do we make the data actionable? So if you do not make the data actionable, then you're, you just have these pretty dashboards and um, you're going to, you know, look at these dashboards and you build knowledge, but if it is not actionable, then you know it is not going to help you to impact the outcomes. So when I say da- making the data actionable means um, understanding you know what your goals are. Uh, for example, you know if you're trying to imp- improve your um, outcomes around diabetic patients, so understanding you know patients whose most A1C is greater than nine, whether they had a visit in the last three months or six months, you know, um, and tracking you know patients who um, 
did not, um, you know, update their medications, you know, for over a period of time. So there are like several different ways on, you know, understanding and making sure that, you know, the data is actionable. So that's stage three. And the last stage is, you know, as Kyle was mentioning earlier, um, predictive analytics and uh, risk stratification uh, to identify and focus on those 10, 15, 20% of the patients, uh, which would have, you know, 80% of the impact on on the overall outcomes, you know, within the practice or an employer. So mm-hmm. um, just understanding that, you know, these are, you know, the four stages on how we look at, you know, from a DPC lens standpoint um, around data and data analytics and identifying, you know, where um, the organization itself is uh, from an analytics, you know, maturity model itself is going to be important to, um, you know, um, to see and to, to make improvements on, on these different stages and to make an impact uh, and become a data-driven organization. Absolutely. And it makes people's lives easier too. When, if you're a physician, you're able to look at some different numbers and and look at the data and say, oh, okay, here's where I need to focus energy or highlight cases of people at risk. It makes your life a lot easier because you don't have to dig through your records and take a lot of the time because it's right there. Yep, exactly. And I love the actionable part of it because um, to me, that's what separates data from just having information. You're able to act upon the data. That is correct. So tell us a little bit here uh, about how KPI Ninja is able to do all of this. How are you able to integrate with so many different systems? How are you able to analyze, visualize, and then take action on this data you're getting? What does your team look like? And, and um, how are you really positioning your company to grow in its current environment? Yes, uh, we do have a, a, a really um, strong uh, team around direct primary care. And just to give you um, a little background our work um, on our work in the direct primary care space, uh, we have been uh, you know working with uh, with practices physicians in the direct primary care space over the last three three plus years and and one thing you know we have absolutely focused you know as we build the product as we build content and as we do research and as we support the movement, um, it is specifically designed for direct primary care. So even though we have deep experience in the fee-for-service space, uh, we did not carry all of that, you know, um, infrastructure, uh, product, um, technology, and everything, you know, directly into direct primary care. Mm-hmm. But we did study, uh, spend quite a bit of time understanding um, DPCs, you know, uh, interacting with, um, um, you know, tens and not hundreds of uh, physicians and practices and understanding their needs and. Um, understanding their customer needs, you know, whether it is an employer or whether it is a, a, a patient, you know, and on what they're looking for and how do we create value. So with that mindset, you know, with those foundational principles, uh, we identified our vision to be how do we amplify the stories that are being shared in the direct care community through data. So that's, that's our vision. So with those foundational principles, so um, we started along the journey, uh, those, those four stages that I was uh, referring to earlier, uh, which is, you know, integrations, you know, building insights and, you know, uh, dashboards and making the data actionable and predictive and risk stratification analytics. So we started with integrations, you know. So we um, we have, as Kyle was mentioning, you know, 40 plus uh, EMR integrations. Um, and we have more than 65, 68 integrations, you know, um, whether it is membership, uh, EMR, uh, virtual communication, patient experience, labs, and so on. So our goal, our number one job, is to make the data interoperable. Um, 
So we, we do the integrations and for some of the tech stack uh, that's being used in the DPC space, uh, we can actually integrate in less than two days. Uh, the typical um, technology stack that is being used in the DPC space. That's that's how that's our record and how fast we can integrate and stuff. So once we do the integrations, you know, we understand, you know, um, the organizations, you know, goals, um, and every organization have, um, you know, different goals, um, and and you know whether it is, you know, better managing the patients or making an impact um, on the overall cost, you know, for an employer. So we understand those goals. You know, we turn those goals into uh, from a, you know. Uh, technical slash you know, data requirements and um, help um, those practices, you know, um, those physicians, you know, better attract this information and, um, you know, provide this information in a meaningful way that would cut down the amount of time that they spend, you know, on um, extracting uh, the data, but more time is being spent by the practices in actually contacting the patients and you know, using this information to make an impact. And mm-hmm. then once um, as a, as the process you know matures, uh, we also work with the practices and organizations to you know write case studies and you know tell the stories and you know uh, and share this with the broader community. So so we have been doing you know quite a bit of um, you know uh, uh, background um, foundational work um, to cut down the amount of time that is being that may be spent on. Um, uh, non-value-added activities, you know, from a uh, practice physician standpoint, you know, gathering the data or, you know, prepping the data or combining all these different data sources. And uh, we are giving, you know, we are automating all of those pieces and helping them, you know, provide this information so that that could be actionable and they could, you know, directly contact patients, you know, and make an impact on outcomes and, you know, demonstrate these stories to the employers and, and patients and, and to their community as a whole. Right, right. It is, it is uh, an amazing mission, an amazing job you guys are doing, making patient data and clinical data accessible and actually useful for the medical professionals that are out there caring for everybody. I love it. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. And obviously, uh, uh, with Freedom HealthWorks and KPI Ninja, um, our fandom, you know, extends into into using your guys, using your service. And Kyle, like you said. Uh, Hopefully, uh, getting some great studies out there and some cases and, and some, some awesome uh, use examples. So, this leads me to our last segment here on, uh, on our show. We call this the Healthcare Americana Crystal Ball. So, this is where I get to ask you, and you know, Kyle, I'll let you go first here, but gaze into your crystal ball. Where does the industry and your organization go from here? What are you seeing in the future? Sure. So what I've been seeing so far, uh, direct primary care is a fast-moving space. There's a lot of activity and passion leading to tremendous growth. We're starting to see a lot of employer movement. And then recently, we've even been seeing a lot of policy and federal government activity as well around the model. So the majority of the movement originally came from very passionate physicians, you know, taking the plunge into how they, um, how they practice and how they're paid. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, they need back-end support through research and data, um, especially as you get into the thought of, you know, we as a healthcare community owe it to our society to study the model, learn all the strengths and weaknesses, and then how do we implement that into the larger healthcare system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing is, is trying to help them, you know, on the back end with data and research is help them prove the model and help them do policy advocacy, uh, maybe go to employer groups and show the value. And then overall, um, ideally, we'll wrap it into health information exchanges and have just more transparency on how data is shared 
how data is used, and then the value that um, we're able to see on the back end. Fantastic. Vineeth, what about you? Yeah, I, I share um, uh, Kyle's you know, um, vision and, and, and from where KPI is going. Um, and also, I would like to add you know, uh, to your question on where the industry is going um, mm-hmm. from here. As, as we all know, um, the healthcare premiums are increasing at a two-digit rate uh, right, um, year over year. Right. And um, if you look at it from an employer perspective, and we are also an employer, and you are an employer, uh, healthcare insurance costs are probably in, in the top three, top five uh, line items when you look at our P&L statements. Oh, easily. Yeah. It is really important, you know, to control the cost. Otherwise, you know, it is going to be um, something, you know, that would be uh, unmanageable, you know, uh, over the next few years. So, so if you look at, you know, the demand supply, uh, what's happening, you know, in the market, um, from an employer perspective, it is really important. It is getting more and more important from them, you know, to, to reduce the overall costs and improve, um, you know, the benefits and improve um, the outcomes, you know, for, for their employees and their members. So that's the demand that, that we are seeing um, rapidly increasing, you know, over the last, you know, couple of years. Um, and we see that, you know, raising, you know, quite a bit, you know, over the next few years. And DPC um, is one of the interventions that um, employers are considering right now. And um, we want to, you know, place ourselves, you know, to support with meaningful data that this intervention, um, you know, does uh, support um, and make an impact on the overall cost and improve outcomes. So broadly speaking, you know, with the whole self-insured or with the employer space, you know, moving and trying to find these innovative solutions to to save costs. And and as DPC becomes, you know, uh, the mainstream, uh, we definitely want to align uh, with the movement and uh, support um, DPCs, you know, to be the solution to reduce the overall cost and, and you know, improve the outcomes and, and, you know, make an impact on, on the triple aim that we've talked about earlier. Um, and from a technology and from integrations and from the work that we have been doing, you know, uh, all of that body of work is going to be, again, completely aligned uh, to demonstrate and to show the value of DPC and um, to support the overall movement that's happening right now. Right, and I don't I don't see a lot of growth in the future of the industry without uh, without KPI Ninja uh, being there to help support it and really help lead it. So, gentlemen, thanks for taking time to chat with us today. Wish you the best of luck and look forward to following all your success in the future. Thank you so much, Chris, and we really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Absolutely. That's it for today's episode. Healthcare Americana is powered by Freedom HealthWorks, produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. I'm Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. And hey, if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, let us know that too. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.